This is the Meiji at 150 Student Podcast. I'm Steven, and I'm going to be talking about anime's influence on Western media. Steven, thank you for being here. How's it going? So, today you're going to be telling us about anime's influence on Western media. What attracted you to this topic? Well, honestly speaking,、um, I've been watching anime since I was young for like basically forever. And first show I watched was Pokemon on YTV, then Toonami, Dragon Ball Z. And then as I got older, I started watching more and more anime. Not so much the English version of the anime, it's just straight up Japanese version. And then it's kind of interesting to see Hollywood films that.、Um, You know, have these inspirations from these animes or the animes that get translated, quote unquote, into Hollywood films. Anime is something that I've always been into. So, you mentioned these anime that get translated into Western films. Recently in the news, there's been several cases of yeah, yeah, whitewashing, yeah. right? So, Absolutely. What do you、yeah. make of this? The most obvious example is The Ghost in the Shell, which was highly controversial at the time of its release. The main character was、uh, portrayed by Scarlett Johansson. And even though Scarlett Johansson is quite legendary, very respectable career, amazing actress, people were still very upset about it because obviously she's white and the main character is supposed to be Japanese. Surprisingly enough,、um, just looking at some YouTube clips about how the Japanese reacted to it, you can see a difference of opinion from. Western media and Japanese media.、Um, Japanese people actually thought Scarlett Johansson was quite suitable to play the main character,、uh, mostly because when you watch anime, most of the people have like blue colored hair, pink colored hair, these non traditional Japanese colored hair with like green eyes, blue eyes, right? So it kind of makes sense for, in their opinion, I guess, it kind of makes sense for a white person to play the main character because. You know, something that's supposed traditionally Japanese people can play. There's one Japanese scholar of media studies named Iwabuchi Koichi who makes the argument that the characteristic Japanese style is mukokseki, which English means the lack of nationality. And so, anime in particular, what makes it so palatable around the rest of the world is that it lacks identifying features that identify it as Japanese. And so, the reason that books by Murakami Haruki or the anime that you're talking about, the reason they get so popular is that because any country can watch that thing and、mm. say, well, we can identify with certain aspects of this. And so, like you mentioned, the characters,、yeah. the characters perhaps aren't necessarily depicted as being Japanese in some cases. Not necessarily, no. I mean, despite, some, despite the name and I guess sometimes specific animes or movies. Um, it's obviously Japanese because it takes place in Japan, right? It takes place in a Japanese high school and it talks about Japanese student lives. But then the more scientific genres, I guess, the more sci fi genres or the fantastical ones, right? The fantasy, space operas, whatever, doesn't,、uh, you're absolutely right. It's not necessarily. Linked to Japan except by name of the characters, but other than that, any nation can identify with the plot, right? It doesn't, not strictly Japanese. Now, that said, there's certain artistic de- defining features of Japanimation, right? Or anime mm, mm, as, a,、mm. as a genre. What would be some of those characteristics? The big eyes, the overly dramatic kind of facial expressions that certain anime has.、Uh, 
characters uh, acting in, I guess, kawaii, <laughs> that kind of style. And this is actually pretty interesting that you bring it up because uh, when we think about Japanese anime, we think about animation that's produced in Japan. But nowadays, like Japanese anime is like kind of spreading all over the world. And different countries are producing anime that is on par, or if not even greater, than uh, what Japan is able to do. Uh, one anime that came out was uh, one that was actually produced by a Chinese company. And the production value of that anime is astronomically high compared to a regular Japanese anime. And they're able to produce something of almost like a cinematic quality and... It was, the Japanese people were very impressed that China was able to come out with an anime that was it, The King's Game. I was able to like kind of top their own anime, and then it kind of shows there's a shift in the tides too. mentioned that Japanese anime has had a major influence on animation styles and media around the world, particularly in the West. Can you give us a few examples? Yeah, um, cartoons for sure. Um, even Western-produced cartoons, uh, there's some Japanese influence on them. And then if we go through like the major kids' channels in the States, uh, there's Nickelodeon, which has Avatar, uh, Cartoon Network, Konami, Samurai Jack... Uh, Powerpuff Girls. They even show uh, dub versions of the animes on Adult Swim. We have Cowboy Bebop, Full Metal Alchemist, Dragon Ball Z. I can go on and on about that one. And even Disney Channel, uh, Kim Possible, has that kind of anime style kind of feature to their shows. And Phineas and Ferb a little bit too. Um, especially if you watch the movie, there's this one scene where... I forgot I forget the character's name, but they go to Tokyo and they do a little Carmela dancing thing with their hands. And it's very, for lack of better words, Japanese. <laughs> like stereotypical Japanese that they try to do. And it, it even gets referenced in Family Guy or Simpsons, Rick and Morty. And these are cartoons that are not produced by Japanese people, written by Japanese people? Not at all, no. Just completely produced by the West. They just have, uh, I guess, Japanese influence on them. So in doing your research, what is something unexpected that you discovered? Unexpected, that's... I guess the, the one, uh, we've already talked about this earlier, but uh, I guess the Japanese perspective of things um, about Ghost in the Shell, I was actually very surprised that, you know, we make a whole big deal out of, like, you know, being PC, and then we, like, with Scarlett Johansson, and we're just like, oh, whitewashing, that's not fair, that's like, you know... Was it not representing the minority Asian actors in the Hollywood film industry? We make a huge deal about it, but then the Japanese people—they're just like, no, we're we're actually pretty okay about it. It actually kind of makes sense for a white person. I'm just like, oh, I guess that's a totally different perspective that we have. So, what's your favorite anime? 
favorite anime of all time of uh, specific genres of like I don't know. <laughs> there's there's so, there's different well, tiers. There's different okay. tiers to this. Okay, well, well here I, I'm I'm <laughs> demonstrating my own lack of knowledge and unfamiliarity in this topic. So yeah. so how, let's start with what are some of the major genres? Yeah, absolutely. So you know Shonen Jump, uh, weekly manga series, right? Um, you don't? Yes. <laughs> yes. Question mark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Shonen Jump is a major weekly manga series that's produced every week in Japan, and they have all the major, I guess, manga. And I guess another thing that's kind of different is that in Japan, manga is uh, more important than the anime. And so with manga is successful, that translates into, uh, you know, uh, they will make an anime out of it. And uh, so the main genre is shonen, which is for young boys, mm-hmm. and it's meant to target young boys. So you have like uh, basically your Goku, your Naruto, your One Piece kind of style of anime, where it's just about adventure, it's about friends, it's about cool superpowers and mm-hmm. beating the crap out of bad guys, and you know the good guy always wins mm-hmm. through friendship, for <laughs> lack of for through friendship through their own uh, innate abilities. That's a huge one. And then um, there's sci-fi, space operas, space mechas. Mecha is kind of its own thing. Mecha is like Gundam, Neon Genesis Evangelion, where they just have just giant robots. And this is also seen in like a Western-produced film, uh, Pacific Rim, where it's just a giant robot punching the crap out of sea monsters. And they're coming out with the second one, so that means the first one, I'm actually really excited to see that. Um, that means the first one did good enough that uh, we're getting a sequel. So, favorite manga or anime series of all time, then? Dragon Ball. I feel mm-hmm. most guys mm-hmm. like Dragon Ball. Even now, like, it's been 10 years since the end of Dragon Ball Z. So, Dragon Ball started as, uh, what, 1989, around that, or at the end of the 1980s, and then it starts off with Goku being a kid, and then it's about martial arts, kung fu fighting, before they got superpowers and had golden hair. It was just a, you know, down-to-earth manga about kung fu fighting. And then Dragon Ball Z carries forward, and then that's when they start fighting aliens, they're getting these cool superpowers and all that. And even though... Dragon Ball Z ended in like the late nineties. Popularity of it still continues through reruns, through merchandising. Merchandising is huge. Video games, all of that. And then even ten years later they keep doing stuff with the franchise. Um HD remakes, rebroadcasts, shortened condensed versions like Dragon Ball Kai, Dragon Ball H D. And now they finally come out with a new continuation of the, was a series, which is Dragon Ball Super, which is currently on air right now, which I watch every Sunday. <laughs> it's uh, And unfortunately, uh, it's going to stop broadcasting, or it's finishing its run at the end of March. And it's kind of nice, because um, why I'm so drawn to it is something... It's, I feel like it's the same reason why I'm so drawn into Pokemon, but Pokemon, not so much about the anime, but it's about the games. It's that continuation for me and no matter what like even as I get older even as you know you're supposed to be mature you're supposed to be more responsible there's something there that can make you feel like a kid again right (laughs) and it's it's really nice because 
I know my girlfriend sees me watching Dragon Ball Super, and she's just like, "You're like a little boy. You're like so excited when Goku uses the Kamehameha." And I'm just like, "Yeah, absolutely." Hey, Goku uses something called Kamehameha. Kamehameha. Isn't that the last queen of Hawaii? Yes. <laughs> and there's the Kamehameha Highway. You don't know? Okay. Uh, that's uh, that's Goku's uh, signature technique that he uses right. where he blasts all the. Well, like the original Goku uh, Dragon Ball is like uh, based off was it Sun Wukong, right? The Monkey King of Chinese. Uh, Goku has a flying Nimbus. There's a pole. A lot of the characters are referenced from different, especially Chinese, Hawaiian, that kind of stuff. They stay on the island, like a turtle island. He has a turtle sensei. Well, you mentioned your own personal connection to the series. Why is it? But you you also mentioned that. Things like anime and manga are, are much more central to Japanese life, and mm. the respect that's accorded to cartoons and manga is something that's much more serious in Japan Absolutely. than it is in the U.S. or North or Canada. Why do you think that is? Well, mangas and anime is more mainstream in Japan, right? It just kind of makes. But, but cartoons like, are mainstream here. But right? do you not respect Seth MacFarlane? The, That's the a good family, point. That's a good right? Point. I guess, uh, but you, there's still this popular idea that Saturday morning ca- cartoons are for kids, right? But I think that that's also kind of changing a little bit too. Uh, I watch Western cartoons, and one of the major new hot cartoon now is Rick and Morty by was it Dan Harmon, the guy who yeah. did Community and yeah. Justin Roiland, yeah. and that uh, that cartoon when it first aired. It was basically like, you know, late night Adult Swim, basically a show for stoners, but now... <laughs> well, that, that's the thing, right? It's Adult Swim, it's the sto- store show for stoners, right. it's it's always this, they have to be cutting edge, right? right. And so but, The Simpsons was the bad show that you don't want your kids to watch, or South Park was, you know, equal opportunity offenders will make fun of anybody, Rick and Morty... Or Ren and Stimpy even was was gross. But like was, Rick and Morty, I guess if we're talking about Western cartoons, Rick and Morty though has kind of changed the uh, I guess the perception about cartoons. It's very dark. It's very humorous. But the way it does thing is very smart. It's really well written, and uh, you can just see that by like the fan craze all over. And then. Um, you know, have you ever heard about the whole Mulan Chatswan sauce dipping? Yeah, yeah. McDonald's. That, yeah the McDonald's yeah. one, all because of uh, right. Rick and Morty, yeah. right? And then it's kind of taking, it's kind of being thrust into the mainstream now, too. But I'm still saying, as a genre, the mainstream cartoons in the West have to have, it seems like they need to be more of this kind of satirical, yes. cutting edge yes. thing. Whereas, well, that's just Western humor, right? Like potty. Jones is that, is that what it is? I, mean, I feel like it the is. The most mainstream cartoons in Japan are like the Ghibli animated films, right? And these are anything but satirical and grotesque. Or Maybe it could be said about, a, uh, was it as a reflection of Western culture? <laughs> would tend to be a little bit more satirical and... Cynical? Cynical, yeah. I know I am a little bit. <laughs> a little bit sarcastic, a little bit cheeky. Meiji at 150 podcast is hosted by Tristan Gruno at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. This podcast would not be possible without the cooperation of the UBC Center for Japanese Research and the technical assistance of the UBC Faculty of Arts, ISIT. 
Find out more about the Meiji at 150 project, including the Meiji at 150 lecture series, digital teaching resource, and workshop series by visiting our website, meijiat150.arts.ubc.ca. Thank you for listening.